So what we're going to do is we are going to get into your very specific strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats for your team, Arnold Packaging, your organization. I'm going to do the same for Taylor Construction and Supply. And then we're going to take it a step further and say, what are the protocols, the processes? What specifically are we implementing to enhance those strengths or improve upon those weaknesses? And we're going to get super granular. So if anybody's listening, you can immediately take action if you're in the same positions. Hello and welcome to the Love and Business Podcast. I am Britt Arnold. President of Tegler Construction and Supply. And I'm Mick Arnold, President of Arnold Packaging and Arnold Automation. We're best friends, business partners, and and married. Uh, thank you for joining us on our journey as we talk about love, business, relationships, family, industry, and everything in between. In today's episode, we are going to take a look under the hood of our businesses as Arnold Packaging enters their 91st year in business and Tegler Construction and Supply enters our eighth year in business. We're going to look at our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And then we are going to talk very, in a very granular level about how we intend to improve on all of those and I'm going to get at some things that are, quite frankly, pissing me off right now. So stick around for that, too. Okay, so today we have decided we're going to get into the weeds of our business. And I will tell you, a lot of business owners are afraid to go here, especially when anybody in the world could be watching. And when we were with our our cousins this weekend, one of the things they asked us is, what is your goal for the podcast? And I, I quite frankly, have never had a great answer for that. And we, I was sitting down and just reflecting on that question this week. And truly, beca- and because one of their questions was, are you guys trying to be business coaches and we were like do you know how we feel about oh my God, most just, business coaches just throw up on my own mouth yeah and, and by the way if we want to be business coaches we try to get paid to be a business and as far as i know we're not making a dime on this no so unless you're are you hoarding it because i haven't seen a dime no all right just checking so truly i enjoy talking about this and i could have used a resource like this an honest resource like this when I was going through it and I mean going through it so that is what if nothing else that's what we're going to bring is just so much honesty and so raw and I'm not scared of anyone and I know you aren't taking what we're putting out there and utilizing it like good that's the goal and if you are good at your craft and what you do and running a business which we are confident that we are we better be because we work at it 24 7 Mm -hmm. then there is no threat there's only opportunity to help other people and and truly like when i peel everything back i'm like that is why we are we are trying to just get some information out engage interact and help other people and i i, I like want to cry thinking about how useful it would have been when i was in the middle of it just having a 
crisis. Yeah. And, and I would like to throw in to have some fun because I, I mean, our weeks are long that's and, and, true. and there's that's a true. lot of funny stuff that happens throughout the course of the day. I mean, we're fortunate to be surrounded by just an amazing group of human beings. We, you know, we had some customers in this morning and it's just fun. And, and I think it's important that we, we laugh our asses off at some of these mistakes that we've made because, you know, everybody else has given us types of information in, in really stern formats. You know, you must do this, you must do that. So there's some fun to be had for this too. Yeah. Or you read it in a book and it's so structured and truly like half the advice sounds good, but it's bullshit. It just is. So that's what we're going to break down in today's episode specifically. One of the things you came to me about was our team broke down a SWOT analysis. And I know what a SWOT analysis is. I've never done it. And I looked at you and said, not interested. I'm not going to talk about that on the podcast. That's archaic, in my opinion, just like I thought writing down our missions and our values was stupid until we got into the weeds. And I really understood the way you were understanding and looking at it and you using it as a, a very clear metric of evaluating your team. Once I started really understanding the SWOT analysis and getting into it, I did, I, I, I am now, I'm doing this a little bit on the fly without a lot of prep, but I think it could be very useful. So what we're going to do is we are going to get into your very specific strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats for y- your team, Arnold Packaging, your organization. I'm going to do the same for Taylor Construction and Supply. And then we're going to take it a step further and say, what are the protocols, the processes? What specifically are we implementing to enhance those strengths or improve upon those weaknesses? And we're going to get super granular. So if anybody's listening, you can immediately take action if you're in the same positions. Yeah. Does that sound it. good? Yeah. It does. It does. And, and just to kick it off, I mean, back to that that SWAT reference, January. It, so we had a long time. We co- re- let's rename it because SWAT is so old school. That's like, fine. Yeah. Maybe I mean, it's like remember, the name though, thing No, no, no. Listen, it's, it's, it's just an acronym that speaks to strategic planning. So just if you really just think about it as a methodology behind strategic planning, that acronym just helps you to identify the four components. It's that simple. And you're right. It's overplayed and, and it's been overplayed for a long time, but it does have value. And we were talking about this the other day and, and, and I think I, a little frustrated in that we get wrapped around certain milestones and goalposts throughout the year, end of year, right? But but really, in going from December 31st to January 1st, it just flipped another day, like January, like June 10th flipped to June 11th. But there are some, some important um, stops and starts that happen in business, and certainly January is one of those, right? The government says that tax season, regardless of what That's you do, right. right? The government says tax season starts and ends on... 1 1 and 12 31. And then if you're like us and, and Tegler construction, then then also and your your work calendar or your fiscal calendar follows the same, then that's a pretty big event and there's a milestone. So at least for us, you know, when we look at or if we're going to stop for 10 seconds, which we rarely do, like you don't either, and look backwards, um, that strategic planning piece acts as a great opportunity to do that and to get off of the grid for a second. We do a simple one day event where we all get together, pull the shades down, get off the grid, ask people to leave us the hell alone for a second and start to look at those four things. And really in an opportunity, really as a method to uncover ways to get 
better, right? And, and it's a brief backwards look at where you came from. And then you mix in some, some um, you know, which expectations around the coming year and, and some other things. And then you go forward in the new year with some, some goals and initiatives that should be in the interest of getting better than you were in the past. So in a nutshell, this, this podcast episode is strategic planning for 2024 and getting into the weeds of our evaluations of our businesses and what we're going to implement to in a strategic format to improve and get better. Yeah. And and I think one thing that's important to say and understand is that regardless of how long your business has been in business, right? You coming up on eight years, you'll celebrate eight years and, and we're celebrating 91 years that that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all because businesses go through evolutions and because they're just big piles of people, depending on who the people are at any given time and, and what their skill sets are and how long they've been with the business, you can have these evolutions inside of what looks like an incredibly long company. I mean, if you walked into our 91-year-old business, great, we have a shingle that says 1933, but then if you drilled in just one level below to the people and their tenures at here and in business in general, right, we've talked about the idea that our, our, our teammates are on Arnold Packaging side 23 to 73, right? I mean, you just go one click down. And it's important to remember that regardless of your since or your born on date is whatever, it may or may not be aligned with where you are in a particular evolution. So you have to be paying attention to these things, right? And you have to look at where you came from to be able to understand where you're going in the midst of business conditions and, and competitive influences, whatever all those other things are that, that would help create that structure. So I just want to take a second and say that because I feel like I talk to people and, you know, since 1933 or celebrating 91 years old, there's almost as if, you know, we're towards the end of our evolution, that we almost have it all figured out. Nothing could be further from the truth in certain spots. And and then if you, you know, if you look at different groups inside the company, um, they're in different spots. So, it, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's critical. Yeah, it's, it's constant. Yeah, it's the dynamics never stop and you never outgrow them. You never get to outage those components. It just, it's not the way it works. I mean, think of some of the oldest companies and I bet if you dropped in, if depending on the, the length of tenure of their leadership or other things, they can have a given super old brand and you might expect to be them to be stodgy, right? Just broad brushing or making up stories about them. They could be one of the most progressive organizations organizations based on leadership, based on the strategic vision that they've set. And that's the stuff that we're going to touch on today. Yes. And I, I want to, I want to get right into it and you actually start breaking down your, your SWOT analysis. But, but before that, for any younger um, business owners or just younger business leaders, even if you're not running an organization, you're, um, you're in a business in a management position one thing that I can really attest to that I would say do is put yourself in a position with business leaders and companies that have been around for a long time. So for instance, because I am, since I've met you and I've spent every waking hour with you, <laughs> and then because Tegler Construction and Supply and Arnold Packaging eventually merged into the same building, 
we have been able to, I as a leader have been able to expedite my learning process so much that I am taking so much that you guys have already figured out and implementing that way earlier than I would have. So if you are just starting a business or you're new, new, a young business or a younger business leader, Put yourself in a position with where people who have done it and take what they're doing even currently and start thinking about how you can implement that in your business. Because I can tell you what, so many of the things I've done, my firing process, I mean, I hate to say it, but you know, sure. um, just so many of these things, I've learned how to, I've implemented them earlier than I were and learned how to refine them or started even practicing way before, wouldn't have even been on my radar. So it's cliche, but the who you surround yourself with early could make or break your company. And I also think it's why we have a leg up on our competitors. And I'm not afraid to say that because we are progressive because we have put ourselves in positions where we're able to be because of the people we're around. Sure. Yeah, no, that's that's right. That's that's exactly right. And I think it's great that you drill down into it versus that big broad brush. Who you surround yourself with? I mean, at some point, I remember when I was a younger business person meeting some really old older, I shouldn't say old, but older, more established, better word, people in the industry. Lou Grasmick, we talk about a lot. He would be in and around John Paterakis and, and a group. And I would watch these guys operate. And in those days, I was playing golf and, you know, dicking off here or whatever, right? I mean, I was certainly working, but not with the intensity that I do now. And I would watch these guys when, you know, I was playing golf or I was doing whatever I was doing when I wasn't working. And I recognized these guys didn't have hobbies, you know, or at least extracurricular hobbies. Yeah. It was business. Their friends were business. And maybe that's for you. Maybe that's not. And and maybe if you're younger in your career, you haven't recognized it. I certainly didn't when I was 25, 26. And, and um, my roommate at the time, <laughs> my roommate, um, was in the stockbroker business. And I got exposure to those masters of business. Lou Grasmick, John Masters, Charlie Tershman. Charlie yeah, that whole crew. Um, uh, Ed Peach of, of OST Trucking, right? The crew that was building out Canton and, and what is now the, the really attractive parts of Baltimore City, Harbor East. And I was I was amazed, like, what do these guys do for fun? And, and my, my Oh, buddy, they have fun, though. They did. They did. My buddy Bruce was like, they run together and they dominate. You know, they their fun is setting up of this, buying of that, flipping of this, converting of that. That's and, right. And, That's right. Which is our fun. That's right. So I, I didn't I didn't understand that. In retrospect, I'm like, ah, yes, of course. And and that's what it can end up looking. But it also goes back to our some other episodes of this versus that, right? It doesn't have to be, right? You can have this synergistic, harmonious look where you just love all of it, right? And and the, the friends that we have through the business, we also get to talk to them and learn from them too. So this is this whole momentum that gets started in that way, which is so valuable. Yeah, last thing before you get into it is staying on the same point is that sorry, I, I have so many words that want to come out. I can, I, see it, I can see it shooting in your head. Around in your I, head I'm just like, because if you're going into 2024 <laughs> and, and you're like, okay, I want to be better. I want to improve my life. This is the year. Simply cut out the people that are not making your life better, that are not, you are not moving towards your goals with these people and find people that you want to be in the room with. And I can tell you so many people will be receptive. Find them, handpick them and reach out to them. It could be that you, you want to stop, you want to stop drinking and you are in a friend group that gets 
Oh, almost said. Oh. Uh, you're you're in a friend group. <laughs> the drinks in excess on gets, occasion. That Fair enough. Just Got gets it. hammered every night. Stop. Right. And then, you know this is so logical and it is hard to do. Sure. But if you want to change your life and 2024 is your year, take a look at who you're with. Write your goals down and find people that align with your goals and put yourself in the room. And, the other piece and persistence that, will get you there. And the other piece of that too is be prepared. Like you want to be the small fish in the big pond, right? If, you, if you're if you always attracted to rooms where you're the smartest person in the room, that's the wrong room. We better not have uh, an ego. That's right. You, you better be, you should go find ponds that are big and you can be the smallest fish. You better be prepared to eat a shit pile of humble pie along the way while you're learning in the process. So you're going to have to park your ego and be okay with being the smallest fish, i.e least experienced or dumbest person in the room. I was that for a long time and then still seek out those rooms. So I am and continue to be. That's the only way to learn. And you can get yourself in that room by adding immediate value. So find out what that value is. We all have value we can add and bring it to the table immediately. Like me being pretty. Yeah. Right. Does that make sense? Okay. That's our little sermon. Now... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I like the sermon parts, though. I, I, like I, I do. Oof, I, was, I had to get that out. Yeah. So let's take a look at you sat in a meeting recently with your exec team. Yep. Or, okay. With your executive team. And you said, team, let's let, let's look at our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, or threats. Let's go through it. Let's identify them on a one to 10 scale. One B or, or no. A little, little different, little different. Negative 10 to so, yeah, 10. It was, it was the provocative question that we've talked about was if you're, if you're doing a SWOT analysis of Arnold packaging right now with zero being neutral of those four, right? I'm just going to go through them slowly. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Which one is furthest from zero? And it could be a bad thing. Like, I'm really scared in as a negative. So it right? could, if I'm understanding it, I, I know. I'm going to go but, through my two, and, but, and it'll be clear. Just to make it super clear, if you're the negative 10, it is you are on the, the furthest end of the spectrum away from where you want to be. This is a it, negative. A right. negative 10. If you're 10, so if you're 10, you're right where you want to be. You're nailing it. So essentially there's, you're, you're 20, you're 20 numbers apart. That's right. If, if, I guess that's. Yeah. So my first answer was as a nine, as a positive nine is opportunity, right? So just watching coming out of the pandemic, we've talked about stabilize and optimize. So all of that was wrapping into what I believe is an amazing number of opportunities that we will create this year. Our sales force has more traction. Our we're, we're getting better at certain things. We, you know, we've we've come out of stabilized because we have those jobs filled and those individuals are now skilled at least ish in those jobs. Now we're turning the corner. So for me, nine was opportunity of those four letters or four categories. Yes. Opportunities. This is, this is Arnold. Again, I want to get granular. When you say opportunities, what specific opportunities do you see? Thank you. Um, so if you break down the, the different things we do here, let's talk about sales, right? So we have the largest sales organization that we've had in the history of the organization. And in my opinion, the most capable from an aptitude perspective. I'm going to get into some other parts where I'm hitting on aptitude um, versus ability to deliver yet. So when you say largest, you mean in people? I mean in people. Okay. That's correct. We have the largest headcount 
in our sales organization in my history. And that's going back. I mean, there were times where we had two people in our sales organization and I was one of them, Dave Ruck, um, rest in peace, Dave. And I were the only two salespeople. This happened, that happened, that person left. Two of us. Legend. Yeah, legend, absolute legend. And the only guy you'd ever want to go to war with if there was just two of you, for sure. So fast forward now, we have the largest headcount that we've ever had. So we have a lot of feet on the street, which should equate to capacity to sell. Now, there's other components of that. How effective are they? So from from a headcount, a pure volume of salespeople and aptitude, right? So if you look at sales, I believe, you know, there are three components, subject matter, expertise, um, sales process and time and territory management. So we've hired great career salespeople. So they have two um, and they have a tremendous amount of aptitude, right? They know how to sell. So they're good on process. They're good on efficiency, time and territory management. So opportunity wise, I am very excited about going out and making those connections with prospects about doing a better job selling into existing customers in a deeper way because we do have a very large bag of products that we can sell as a packaging company into these these customers and prospects. Um, so very, very big opportunity. If I just shift gears over to ops, for example, productivity is, is the biggest, right? I mean, how do we now take these people that, that have been here for a while, our teammates are trained, they're starting to understand, they're actually starting to come back with suggestions about how to make the business better. Like that that's a huge deal, right? Instead of just the management team or the leadership team having to create all of the opportunities and, and identify everything, they're coming back and saying, we could be safer if, um, I could get my job done easier if, you know, whatever those things are. So now you have this feedback loop where it's not just two or three people that are that are leading, that are coming up with these. Our, our people now with some time in the role are coming back and saying, I think we would be better if. So that's ops. Quickie touch in on on um, finance, leveraging capital better. You know, there's there's opportunities there. That group is also responsible for our purchasing activities. You know, so working the supply chain piece, we rely heavily on inventory turns. So those are all of the different opportunities. When I look across those groups, they're a little different per group, but overall, sales selling more operations, doing it with less or with a higher level of productivity, and. Um, the accounting team, if you will, or the finance team doing a better job of managing assets and deploying capital, which I consider their two number one, there's two biggest responsibilities. So that is what I suggest on the positive side. On the. So positive nine for opportunities for Arnold packaging in 2024. Okay. So that I thought, okay, got it. So that's the O. Do you want me to continue with the negative side? No, I but I mean, I, I guess, I guess my my hesitation there was you were talking. I guess you got into a little bit of your weakness by talking about not necessarily having that. Oh no! So now I'm going to go the other way. Or do you? How do you want to do this? Do I'm going to go the other go way. Right in, or do you want me to jump into strengths? Why don't you? Why don't yeah? So if you were to do the same thing, right? If you were to pick a one of those four categories on the positive side of zero. Which one would it be? So ours would definitely be opportunity as well. Um, well, there's an, I would say uh, there, I have an opportunity and a strength that I would probably look at both. Our opportunity is if you could be off the scale, it would be. I mean, we have literally scratched the surface of, of what we're capable of. I mean, the opportunities that go in, and, and I don't think it's luck. I think we've created a lot of these opportunities um, by just do, being doing good work. 
but uh, opportunity for sure. And the strength is we have very intentionally kept a lean team. And because of that, we are able to be very flexible and pivot quickly. So we don't have this these layers of bureaucracy. We don't it's it's not this big engine that takes forever to change in a slight direction. Like we see an opportunity, that's a good opportunity. We can pivot on a dime and attack it. So I would say right now that's what I'm most excited about. And to be honest, it's a little bit overwhelming at times. It's, it's a good it's, it's a good problem to have. Um, but sometimes so much comes in. I'm not sure that we are able to take it all in, evaluate and assess and attack the best opportunities always. Um, but certainly, cer- certainly we're, we're trying to do that. Um, but like I said, eight, going on eight years in the business, I think we're just scratching the surface on on everything that is available to us and everything we want to touch and get into. Um, and at the same time, we have to come up with the proper protocols and processes to evaluate what makes the most sense, which is something we're working on, right. which we can get into, right. on, which, which all of these ties together. So right. like while I talk about my strength, the opportunity, then it gets into strength. Well, very quickly, I can get into where our weaknesses are and what we need to work on. Right. The things that would keep you from from executing or leveraging those opportunities. Right. 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 And I think, you know, the whole idea behind this process, too, is if you, you know, it, and really we just picked on these. If you were doing a full blown assessment or analysis or doing a, a one day um, uh, workshop with your team, you would actually go through each of these individually because the, pro- the the purpose, for example, of identifying your strengths is so that you can turn and leverage them into opportunities, right? So that's part of the process. We're just plucking out, you know, one or two of these letters based on where our companies are now or where we are focusing um, all of our energy and resources in 2024. And yeah, exactly. And a couple, I because I said we'd get granular, instead of just saying, we've got a ton of opportunities like I've grilled you a little bit just a few amongst many is you know we we have the opportunity to become a an exclusive distributor for quite a few manufacturers so it's locking in some of those partnerships again taking really a deep dive into the evaluation of what makes the most sense a few years ago we decided we're really going to go in hard on the infrastructure side so highway job highway roads even even some marine, but like heavy civil, that has been our our focus for many reasons. We can dig deeper and we can diversify our product lines within the infrastructure project realm. So diversifying products, um, we could branch out and focus on some different projects. Like there's just so many opportunities for us. We have identified where we want to be, and I think we know we like being in that infrastructure-heavy civil Mm -hmm. space, okay? We have identified that. We have found our niche there. Now it's figuring out where we want to create distributor partnerships and if we want to diversify our product lines or what we're offering a little bit more. And then there's several other opportunities in between that. But I see those as like the the major ones right in front of us right now, which we are working through. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it does. Yeah. yeah no, I think, you know, you have to continue to drill down on the different elements um, of the company and, and I, and where you are in your evolution, 
I think that's the perfect spot. You know, you just briefly touched on the segments of your business, right? And then as you grab a hold of those large segments, you know, DOT, so road work and heavy civil, right? It's I a mean, lot of DOT There's work, a lot, yeah. a lot of things though that come out from underneath that. If you look at all of the things that would be in that segment or in that vertical, there's many things oh for God. you to explore. I mean, and many suppliers come to you and go, wait a minute, you guys do a hell of a job over there. I'm in this same vertical. Would you also consider distributing or representing for us? And that's where these things are coming from. Oh yeah, I mean, like take pipe for instance. You've got ductile iron. You've got uh, PVC. You've got HDPE. You got. Um, I mean, just 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 pipe. Just we're talking about the different variations of pipe. Yeah. And then there's just so many other products in that lane. And it's interesting because you would think as well, we have all these opportunities. Well, what we've finally been able to do is narrow down enough and target and figure out where where we're really successful and where we add the most value. And actually, it wasn't until the last couple of years we really narrowed our focus on that heavy civil and infrastructure work that I felt like we could capitalize on this is our strength and then take advantage of the opportunities because we were too we were we were too broad. Right. We were too all over the place. So it almost seems like uh, what's the word? Um, like it, we were taking all of our opportunities and we were cutting a lot out. So right. it almost seems counter counterproductive to, yep. to, to like having these various opportunities. But until we've really figured out where we belong, what we were good at, where we wanted to be, it's hard yep. to become really good and take advantage of opportunities. Yeah. No, absolutely. Which is so hard in the beginning of like, you know, you're so hungry. You have so many opportunities. What do you choose? Right. Like you, you, don't, you certainly don't want to starve. So then you find yourself choosing everything and then you question, well, who are we? Sure. So it just takes some time. What's well, that difference between the two words that I used in the process? You know, how do you be diversified, right? Because you don't want to get pigeonholed into one Within thing a niche. If, if the market shifts. Right. And, you know, right. If, if, right. You know, if you pick beta instead of VHS, right? Right. And then you're out. Right. But then how do you stay, how do you, how do you have the diversity or the diversification without being diluted? And that's the dangerous word, right? Where you end up being like a cross training shoe, not good at anything. You know, you're, you're trying to participate in all these different things and you end up being being diluted and not really good at anything. That and or I, excellent, not good, f good. That is excellent. what I felt like we were, and I'm being honest. Like that yeah. is what we were the first five years, and it, it really was just because we were figuring. It, it takes that amount of time to figure. You go in with this. I didn't finish my sentence as I always <laughs> says to figure yourself out. Right. You go in with this business plan. You go in with this idea of what you want to be. Then you get up and running, you have these established relationships and they're asking things of you and they are good opportunities that were not part of your business plan right. or, you know, business plan. I did air quotes. All of a sudden you find yourself in general construction when you didn't plan on being in general construction because your contacts were certain they had opportunities for you, which they did, which meant there's the money that I need in my bank account to do anything talking about myself here. Um, so, but you know, and it's so hard to be disciplined enough not to take those opportunities. And sometimes you shouldn't be right. because they were, we were in survival mode. Absolutely. So it took us every bit of long and short of it is, or long and long of it is, it took us that at least five years to figure ourselves out. In the last two years, we've been honing in on where we fit, where we want to be, what we're best at. And now I feel like we are, we know who we are and we want to capitalize and diversify within our niche, right. not all over the place. And we're not closing ourselves off to other opportunities. I'm always 
open and have my head on a swivel, but but we're looking at a a very a more narrow. Um, just a, a lane. Lane. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. The, we're, we don't want to be everything to everyone. Sure. We don't. And you wouldn't have, yeah, and you wouldn't have blinders we on. Can't. And you would have your head on a swivel, but you wouldn't go back to the things that you knew didn't work, right? You would certainly consider other things that look like they might be aligned or in the lane or maybe just a hair outside the lane that you could nudge out and say, oh boy, I didn't know this. There's two things that came to mind as you were talking about this. And, and people ask me, and you started the podcast with this question is, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the answer is, whatever the customers want us to be is what you've learned, you know, and, and, and watching the business and what you just articulated, you have, you are now becoming what the customers want you to be. But early on, you're listening to everything, right? Every, you have all of these different inputs, customers asking, and, and the reason is they liked you, right? You had created these relationships in your former positions and they just wanted to do business with you. And there was a very wide range of people like, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do this? And in the early going, we've said this a bunch is the answer is yes. Now what's the question, right? And, and my father would say, until we have an order, we don't have a problem. And we definitely created some good problems and some bad problems along the way once we had that order. And we still do that in spots. You know, I'll kid about it and say about it. But obviously, when I'm laughing, we've also done a tremendous amount of diligence. And and it's not some scientific wild-ass guess on what the outcome would be. But early on in that business, you have to do that, right? I mean, if you have no cash flow, you have no business. So, boy, but if you survive to the point where Tegler Construction has, where you're now getting ready to celebrate year eight, you have earned the opportunity to listen to certain we're, customers. We're, so we're not that close to eight, but we're pretty far away. Well, you know, I'm in sales. I round up. Yeah. <laughs> we're just <laughs> surpassing seven, but. So a little, little bit of a uh, off track, but, but all important points of getting here. And this, this strategic analysis is, you know, maybe not equal parts looking backwards as looking forwards. But if you're not looking backwards a little bit to understand where you came from, I'm not sure that you'd be doing yourself justice in charting your course going forward. I think you have to have a reasonable rear view mirror and then forward looking um, stance as well. Yeah, definitely. And I would say, you know, if you're in your year one through five, I'm saying one through five because that's my personal experience with it. I might have said in year one through five, our strength was that we were open to all opportunities and able to capitalize and do a good job on many different things. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't change that period. Like, I'm glad we didn't figure out exactly we couldn't have, but what we wanted to be too early because it really did let us test the waters and experiment. And by the way, figure out who we like to work with, who we didn't want to work with, what products were easier, which ones were harder to deal with. All of these things. Sure. Risk. I mean, risk. risk. I mean, that hard being risky, right? One of those words inside of hard. Right? Yeah. And I mean, like all, all of those were such great not great, required learning experience to get to where we are now, which is in a really good spot. So if you're in that one to five years, it's okay if you're still figuring out who you want to be. Test the waters. Take the calculated risks. Try new things. That's the only way you're going to eventually get to the place where you're like, hell yeah, this is who we are. Right. And, so and also, too, just to add on to that, 
not, and you could be one to five years in your business. You also might be one to five years in a venture inside of an older business. We talk about automation a lot, right? Right, and, right. And, and this, this everything, and I'm not going to bore the audience with everything you just said, but I could simply say ditto to every single one of, every one of those. And then there are also times where you're actually doing things right. And, and, Sometimes it just takes more repetitions, you know, it just takes more or like rinsing, a little refinement. rinsing and repeating, or you need to bring on, like we, we've added to that part of our sales organization, right? You, you just need more exposure. You know, you need more accelerant, lighter fluid. Um, sales organ people can be that accelerant in spots done correctly, where you're going out and identifying and capturing that demand in the form of prospects. So sometimes you just have to take a great process and you have to pour accelerant on it, right? Other times you have to realize that you, you this is not the time to waste accelerant, which could be investment or resources. You're like, not yet. Let's get this right. Let's not pour accelerant on a smoldering and or dead fire. Let's wait till we get some heat on this thing and then blow it up. And we've made some choices like that inside of our marketing organization recently. I'm looking at Tommy because he was in the room and made a, we made a very conscious decision to say, all right, hold on a minute. That's not ready for accelerant. Let's get it right. Mm -hmm. And then let's pour some lighter fluid on this sucker and see where we go. So good stuff. You want to go to the uh, other side? Yes. Yeah, so uh, passing the ball back to you on are you focusing on threats or weaknesses or both I imagine it's a little bit of both yeah well yeah usually they're again closely aligned in that a weakness could be exploited by a competitor let's say for example and become a threat if you're not if you're not um, looking for it so back to the original question I was I, I, I cited opportunities first because it was farthest away from zero. But in answering that question, because I really wanted my team's attention, because I didn't want anybody getting confetti in their eyes over the nine on opportunities, it was negative seven as a threat on technical expertise. So what I was just blabbering about a few minutes ago and this idea of being 91 years old and don't just assume because the company is X number of years old that that is completely ingrained throughout the organization. It's not. And I've spoken on this podcast a lot about um, the turnover and the retirements and the 130 years we lost in eight people in the two years of, of the pandemic. We've been working our ass off to get that, to get those individuals back in but it starts with aptitude, right? I mean, I wish I could, you know, throw up a, a zip stick into them and have them be subject matter experts. So quickly behind it was, all right, before we get stuck drinking our own Kool-Aid on opportunities, understand that we still have a lot of technical expertise, pure packaging expertise, um, and whether that's making wood boxes or all the things we do that's left the organization in the last period of time. And we got to get head down on getting that subject matter expertise back. So your question is going to be, well, Mick, what the hell are you going to do about it? Right. Dig in deeper. And hey, the get in there. I am getting in there. I am. I'm, I'm, I'm egging myself on. Did you see that? <laughs> so um, training, 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 training. And and really, that could be any number of pieces. It could be hands-on training in the plant. We could have individuals out there swinging hammers in spots, making the products that we make. There could be some classroom aspects of it. There's uh, a lot of team learning and team selling that goes in. If I'm thinking about a sales organization, that has four or five individuals with less than one year of experience in packaging, their career sales professionals, but they don't have the subject matter expertise. It could be a team piece where I'm taking a rep with me into an existing customer to show them how widgets get made or show them how widgets get distributed. So that technical expertise and, and go ahead. Can, I, I'd yeah. like to add one, yeah. one more thing because 
you didn't mention it, and I think it's super. I, th- I think it's super smart for what you're doing, and it could, I think it apply to a lot of other businesses. So, if you have somebody that has been in the business for a long time, very experienced, a, a shit ton of knowledge, um, I'm like Paul, and they 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 don't want to retire. They still want to be a part of the company. How to utilize? I mean, that is an asset to your company, and so Paul is going to be in a role where um, he's not necessarily making the sales calls that he was, um, not nearly as many, but he's going to be used as a trainer to start training the other folks that are coming in. And I think uh, Mr. Mr. Rich Sion from Cow and Trucking, yeah. you know, he, while he's retired, he's still very much mentoring people, um, you know, younger kids, I call them kids, but younger people in the company or, or new, not necessarily young, newer people in the company. So if you had, I, I think that's a really good um, uh, what is it? Transition, a really good transition plan for folks that are like, okay, I've been at this company forever. I, I know so, I know everything. I know a lot. I could be an asset, but I don't want to work full time or not full time in the role that I once did, but I don't want to retire. Right. And that middle ground as a trainer, wow, that's yeah. that's valuable. Yeah, I think you would fight like hell. Um, you'd fight like hell to keep tribal knowledge from leaving your organization. I know we, we got into a, tra- a training conversation, and I, I called that part proprietary, but let's call it tribal for this conversation. Where, let's. Yes, I know you'll be excited about that. Are we going to let that go at any point, or are we just going <laughs> to keep eating on that indefinitely? Tommy, help me out over here. Um, so let's call it the tribal piece. You know, where, where you have a 30 year sales professional in packaging alone, mm-hmm. and that's before the other selling career, right? So, if you think about sales process, the other parts of being a salesperson, you know, you'd fight like hell to keep that tribal knowledge around in some fashion. And I'll tell you one of the biggest differences the the digital world and remote component, that's something that I love, where Paul can pick up the phone, Paul can jump on a team's call if there's a document share, a drawing to be reviewed. So I think the the technology piece of that is, you know, if someone's gonna retire from your organization, before you let them go get a job as a starter at the golf course, figure out how to keep them captive to your organization, part-time basis, short-time basis. You don't have to get in the car anymore. It's changed completely where you can have that variable accessibility to those people. Don't let them go into off into the sunset unless they absolutely demand to go off into the sunset. I would fight like hell to keep that tribal knowledge as available and even captive as possible for as long as you can. And an extension upon that is captive but also in a way that's really rewarding for them. So, so many of these people are, they love it. It's just why they want to stick around. So it's so rewarding for them to be able to pass that knowledge along and give back. But on because of the virtual piece, you're, you're not telling them you have to, you could travel the world, you could be wherever you want. Like, do you, do exactly what you want to do. And hey, you can also still have a bring, bring in revenue, you know, bring in money. You can still be doing what you loved or loved for so long. Yeah. You can be collaborating and working with people, but you can also do everything else you want to do with yeah. your life. Participating and- in the kill, winning, like winning for like salespeople, right? A big driver for um, intrinsic versus extrinsic money motivated intrinsic do the right thing is the win, you know, or, and if that win is tied to, well, I won because I helped a customer get where they want to go, more profitability, whatever their goals are, more safety, then 
in, in talking to people like that, I'm like, listen, I've watched, uh, I watched eight people retire. Don't underestimate how much you're going to miss. Like some people retire or they're, you know, a moment like enough of this. And certainly the pandemic was one of those moments where at least two or three of the people that retired went dark. Like mm-hmm. they were exhausted from the demands of the pandemic where it was, you know, our, our purchasing manager who fought um, supply chain battles every day, who changed prices all day, every day, exhausted. He's like, yeah, I'll tell you what you do with that. But um, I think uh, some retirees underestimate how easy it will be to just shut it down. So what a great way to to do each other somewhat of a favor, right? And and they stay in the game and feel and feel valued, right? I mean that's that's huge. Value is such an important thing for human beings, right? To be valued and and feel valued. I would be really careful about turning that faucet off at any it, too quickly in any situation. Yeah, and one thing I I, I really and I've talked about this before, my heart is, I, I always think about the people that are in their 60s, 70s, even 80s now, that have so much vibrancy and energy and knowledge and ability to give back and want to, and that piece about value, but also purpose. Mm-hmm. And people want that. And for instance, my mom, you know, she's in her 60s and she works for our company, right? Part-time basis, but that gives her purpose. And I love that. I wish someone would start a business by working with folks like that and finding them jobs that are perfect for them, but give them that purpose, but also flexibility that they're looking for. That is a population that is not valued. You go to a place like Japan, somewhere like that, it's their most valued, the elders, the people. Absolutely. We do not do that in the, in the States. And those are the people that I think are so valuable. Um, and I love that about g- giving those people the opportunity to, to have purpose, but like I said, but also live out their life the way they want. So I, I don't, I, we don't need to keep going on this, but right. just, uh, I don't know. My, I, was, I was having I, the same, I was having the same uh, demand thought over here too. Like there is demand for that because the so other word, demand. the other word is ambition, right? You talked about value and purpose. I mean, w- it would almost be to assume that once you get into a certain age, you park your ambition. That's not true. It's That's not absolutely true. not true. So yeah, there's uh, there's something something. So we were talking about you know we we dovetailed this. You know my big challenge or or concern for threat is subject matter expertise or technical yes. expertise. Yes. And one of the things that we're doing is making sure that as a 30 year professional decides he wants to work less hard, um, that we try to you know that we, that it's important to us to keep. Is in him in, as engaged with the organization, really all the way around. His expertise happens to be sales, but we we will plug him anywhere he wants to go because that is how valuable he is. Okay, C- continue. Yeah, so uh, I, I think it's it's that right. So what I was talking about was was you know my concern or or not letting uh, my executive team get confetti in their eyes with that nine rating was the negative seven. Was understand that. Um, we will be in a position to get our ass kicked by competitors in certain spots because you've heard the old saying of good, fast, and cheap, pick two. You know, if you don't have good, which I equate to technical expertise, right, fast being speed of delivery, lead time, and, and cheap being cost effectiveness, right, you know, Good to good in our organization is that technical expertise, the ability to design containers, design solutions, 
look at a customer's operation and show them and demonstrate for them how they can be more profitable by making different choices with their packaging, right? It's, it's, it's that simple. But it takes a lot of years of experience to understand which weapons and which tools you're reaching for in your toolbox to help that customer get where they don't know they want to go. That's the thing. It would be easy if the customer said, well, here's what I want to do. And I need this, I need this, and I need this. It's not that easy. Mm -hmm. You go into a customer's facility, let's say they're making widgets. You have to have a certain amount of knowledge to be able to say, well, I think I see an opportunity over here because we can make more widgets if, or we can make your widget box smaller. Smaller, or we can make your widget box lighter, or we can make the same widgets with fewer people that we can redeploy to a, a more valuable place. It takes a while. So now if you fast forward to a situation where I have a newer salesperson in front of um, XYZ prospect, let's say it's a big company and the buyer is very skilled and they're competing head to head with somebody with a lot more technical expertise they are likely to get their ass kicked. And that is what I'm most sensitive to is, is not getting back on top of good um, as fast as we need to and being relegated to fast and cheap. That is, my, that is the threat component of that that I laid out for that team and then took it directly to their directs and then took it to everybody in the organization that I have contact with. The third group is the emerging thought leaders. So took it to those, I don't know, 30 people, 25 people directly with exactly that type of urgency and then challenge them on top of that too to say, listen, we collectively don't have enough technical expertise. And if it's available in the general public, it's your job to go get it. If this information is available on Google, YouTube, or some other platform, the expectation is that you will go get it. If it's not, then I have made it an utmost priority for the organization to identify those tribal components and get that information to you so you don't get shot dead in the field of battle because that's what's going to happen if we don't get you those skills. How's that? That's great. That's great. Yeah. So for us, just as many strengths and opportunities as we have, which is a shit ton thanks to my team um, for being great we have just as many weaknesses and threats and I could talk about a lot but I'm going I'm going to narrow it down and talk about one because this is where my head is and where I am most focused at the moment and I think my team knows that we have a 2024 structured planning meeting in a couple weeks where we'll get into it but everything we're doing this year is really geared or focused around this one particular weakness or it's not even a weakness it really is an opportunity for growth improvement and improvement it, right yeah but it's it it's it's only the right time now like it wasn't really something we could have proactively done we had to grow into this mm-hmm. so where my mind is is i want to have my team in a position where i could not be there I'm not saying forever but for for periods of time and the business would run seamlessly without me right and I'll tell you why the reason is because we do have so many opportunities which I've talked about and one of them we've talked about is starting a a different business venture Um, and there are some other opportunities we have where that is going to take all of my attention now this is for the entire team opportunity for the entire team but it will take my full attention to get some of these new um, initiatives i will call them 
off the ground. Right. And I cannot do that if I am in the trenches and the weeds of Taylor Construction and Supply every day as I have been. Right. To date. So while you will not be on a deserted island, you will you will be a little absent, maybe physically, but certainly from a bandwidth perspective. And this is going to put the team to the test to see what that looks like in that type of absence. Absolutely. And I'm going to explain this, every detail of this. So, and, and I don't want to leave them on an island and I don't want to leave them in a position where they feel undergunned or not prepared. So my focus is what are processes and training can we get in place to make sure we are there once I really need to divert more of my attention on these new initiatives, which is going to be huge for the rest of the team, but we've got to be in a position to get there. So as I'm thinking about this, the one thing we have to create in our company is redundancy, which we have not had to date. I think we are finally there. We, we uh, made a great hire in accounting. I mean, one of the things, our business is very transactional, so we have to have redundancy on the accounting side of things. I, I am the only one in the business who knows probably how to do everything, but, but we're getting to a position where we are creating redundancy in project management and in accounting. The next piece of this is I need to make sure someone within the company knows how to do and understands. I'm not going to say everything because I think that's unrealistic, but almost everything that I do. And as I sit there on a day-to-day basis and I do certain things, some of them executive decisions, some of them critical, some of them so trivial, but I realize trivial or not, nobody knows how to do this shit. And that's on me Mm -hmm. because I, part of it is not, um, not trying to hide anything from anyone, man. I, I, I'm as open as uh, they come. I hope people realize that by now, but it's because for efficiency and I've had to do things so quickly and keep things moving, but like, it's just easier to do it. Yeah. Which that's hard. What's the break between easier to do versus teach, right? That's, that's hard right. because that's so hard. Like you could, that's you, the hardest you thing. can knock, you can knock that thing out in two minutes or you could take two hours to teach it. Now, once you're done, once you make that investment, you can decide who owns that two minute task going forward. And maybe that's how you get your 120 minutes back is in two minute increments. But to your point, I mean, you've got to get to the point where at least one other person, I'm not saying that you'll have one person that knows everything, but at least one other person person. knows everything you know. Yes, We're not there. By the way, it makes you feel any better. We're not there either. So part of the strategy I've been thinking about, and this is um, theoretical right now. I'm I'm just I'm just starting to test it. It sounds good in theory, is my point. Got it. I will tell well, you theoretical, theoretical that's, that's right? Good, yeah, that's right? I'm just explaining. That's I'm, a good word. I'm defining theoretical for everybody. Um, <laughs> is what I just did <laughs> for our newborns. <laughs> for, for our oh, whatever. <laughs> But our newborn listeners. Yeah, sorry, I didn't. I didn't mean to. Uh, what's the word? Insult anybody? I know you. No, I don't think. No, no. I just. No, I just. No, no. That was. They know. I mean, just. Yeah. They just. I was watching you process it. Okay. So <laughs> part of. So what I'm saying right now, I. I don't. I don't know that this is going to work. This is what I'm going to test. I'll report back in a few months to, to see if this is realistic. But every time I do something 
anything easy, hard, critical, not as critical, I'm putting it in a spreadsheet. Just just a one-liner of what, what the task is so I remember it. On a weekly basis, I'm going to go through the spreadsheet. So I'll have this week, I'll have a list. Can I ask you, can I enter for a second? Because mm-hmm. we talked about doing it for two minutes or teaching it for two hours. How excruciating is it to actually stop and put it in the spreadsheet? Oh, it's it's not. That's doable? Because it's like one word or two words. Okay. That's all I'm doing. I'm learning too because I have to do this also. I'm not so. detailing it at all. It's, <laughs> if you would have said excruciating, I would have skipped it. Damn. No, it's it's like five seconds because uh, I'm just writing word. All right. No excuse for me. That's what I was looking for. So then what I'm going to do is I'm going to have this spreadsheet every week. It'll be on the weekends. I will go through the spreadsheet and I will do one of... Well, one of a few things. My number one tool will probably be Loom. If if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with Loom, it's just a video platform where you can talk, you can show your your, your face and you speaking so people feel like it's intimate and they're listening to you. But also in the background could be a, a spreadsheet or you're, you're working through and clicking through a website or whatever yeah, it is. It's a, it's a screen share of it, your it, choice, right? It's a right? screen share of your choice, but your face at, is there. Like you're actually interacting also on a little part of the screen. Um, and also it has so many other features, AI generated, uh, what Whatever you're saying will turn to script or text. Um, it'll come up. I mean, it's just it's just yeah. really deep. So, so good shout out to people. Tool Loom, look it up. L O O M Loom, look it up. Yeah, and we can uh, we can link some of this in the show notes. But so part of that is I will go through the spreadsheet every week and I will make Loom videos on how to do each thing in that spreadsheet. I have realized that some of those are just not Loom worthy. So in those cases, maybe it's putting together just a quickie PDF document, maybe whatever the best tool is. Then I'm creating a shared training library and I'm putting everything in there. So the following week, my spreadsheet will be clean. I, throughout the week, I'm like, holy shit, nobody knows how to do this. Nobody knows how to do that. Come Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm creating the docs, creating the videos, more in the shared files. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. But I think, I think, and I, I, I would think that most things that we are doing that people don't know how to do, I have to believe we're at least maybe, there's some things we're gonna do annually and that, but a lot of it we're doing on a quarterly basis, I would think. Right. So it take four or five, maybe even six months, half a year to do that, which is a lot. But I'm really looking at four to five months. I think you're going to get most things. You're going to get at least 80% of your repetitive. So I want to ba- back that up because I don't want to list this for the viewers. One, identify. Right. Two, um, you mentioned a few things, Loom being a tool, PDFs, right? I think you have, I think you have to make, this is an important choice though. I think you have to make the choice on the type of breadcrumbs you're going to leave behind. Loom being one, PDF being another, whatever that is. And then three, building out a great central repository, right? You talked about a shared file. You can do all that awesome work. And if you don't put it in a place that's easily accessible, nobody will go there and find it. And that would be a complete waste of your incredibly valuable time. Those are three really important parts. Yeah, and and we've worked through all of like, we worked through literally a year. We tried everything of what is the best shared folder platform. You gotta figure those things out. And we just kept it, it we we went back to like the most simple thing ever. But, you know, you do have to figure those things out. Uh, so I'm going to see if that works. And then, of course, there's the organizational piece. So how do you 
how do you organize those videos and or is it you're just listing them on a week to week basis? I'm sure I'll, I, I am I am so uh, sh- my my head and brain works in a very structured manner. So I'm sure I'll come up with something clean for structuring it. So if somebody's looking for something specific, they can find it quickly. But the other part of this is if you are like us, or it could be for any company, it's helpful for anybody, but it, particularly for a smaller company that when you onboard and you just don't have a lot of people to train, oh, well, there's a whole library of training videos and documents. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Call me when you've gone through that. Yeah. <laughs> right. and, and a lot of that, again, will be, I, I'm focusing right now on things that don't, people know or don't know. So it might not be totally relevant to somebody you're just bringing on onboarding. But I can tell you if this works, the next expansion or extension will be putting into video and documenting things that we all do every day mm-hmm. for onboarding purposes. Sure. If it's clean and we like it. Absolutely. And, and you know, especially for small organizations, one of the hardest parts of training is the bandwidth loss of the person that's training. I mean, if you're a huge organization yeah, and you yes. can afford to oh have gosh, yes. full-time trainers and you're like, oh, uh, we just hired John. John, meet Jim. Jim's the trainer. See you in a month. Like small organizations like ours, that is bandwidth directly taken from somebody that's expected to be productive. We talked about interns. I mean, that's all great. But when you bring a new person on, whoever their direct report is or somebody um, is going to give up their own productivity to train that person. So these are huge um, productivity hacks, if you will, right? Where it's, here's, here's uh, there's seven folders in here. I want you to go through them ordered one to seven. It's about 21 hours. I'm expecting you to have that done in the first month. That's 20 working days, one hour per day, go to it. Right. And, right. and that 21 hours it, without that platform comes directly from somebody else. Pound, you know, pound for pound, Def- minute for definitely. minute off of somebody else, definitely. not doing what they're supposed to be doing. So that's of huge value. It is. And then I would say the other thing, as I was talking about creating that redundancy piece. So I'll talk about accounting particularly because that's what I'm meeting with the, the accounting teams meeting. And then I'm having but you know monthly meetings with them to get more things in place so things that sound stupid but it's just identifying every one example identifying every vendor we have and going through are we getting a statement from them monthly every single vendor we have now i i know that may seem really basic but how do you make sure that you no invoice has have been missed and i can tell you we probably have a quarter maybe of our vendors that send us statements on mm-hmm. a regular basis and just being like, okay, no, I want a every vendor, if they do statements, some still don't, we need to be getting a monthly statement. And then somebody, and my mom being this person, goes through them every single month and just looks through, do they align with the invoices? So tell the audience why that's so critical, especially for the type of business that you run. Right. This is a big so, deal so that be, it's it, not as critical for Arnold Packaging the way we run, but 100% critical for you. It's huge because we, a lot of our projects are AIA projects. So they're on a 30-day Uh, a 30-day cycle. So what happens is if you don't, most invoices, I'll use the 20th, it's creeping up now, but it used to be we have to get our invoices in for the month. So for the month of January, we have to submit our invoices on January 20th. That covers that entire month of January. If you miss that January date, you have to wait a full 
cycle of 30 days before you can resubmit your invoice. So essentially, you're 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 going to get paid 30 days. It's not like a day or two later. Right. You're going to get paid 30 days later. So for us, we can't miss our vendor invoices because w- what happens is when we get a vendor invoice, that triggers us to or a manufacturer invoice, that's what you know, same thing as vendor. That triggers us to send our customer an invoice. That was the point I wanted you to hit on directly, that until you get invoiced, you don't create an invoice, which means until you get a bill, you don't create a revenue generator. That's right. That's huge. So so if you're a broker or someone that drop ships a lot, that's the model. Yeah. Well, we're we're not a broker. We're, I mean, like, you know, we're- I see you were, but those are models that have that look to them. Oh, yeah, exactly. And- um, but for us too, I mean, I want to, we want to take care of our vendors and manufacturers. That's really important to us. So we can't miss their invoices or we can't be late on that because you're holding up their pay, yeah. right? They're very precious pay. And all these manufacturers, you know, cash is everything. Yeah. When you're manufacturing stuff, you're buying the raw materials up front. Sure. So yeah. And a part, part of that process, even though it's, it's pretty basic and elementary, it's getting checks and balances in place. Yeah, it's a gap. It's a it's a gap, right? Seems simple, but if you're not doing it, you're not doing it. So between the training, the redundancy, and the checks and balances, those are the three things that I am hyper focused on. And I will elaborate. And my, my team knows this, but on that 2024 prep meeting, that's what we're going to be focusing on. And there's so much incentive for everybody just because the opportunities. So buy empower. First of all, you get uh, this is a team decision on everything we do. So you have the buy in. There's so much empowerment because I'm saying, hey, guys, this is so much. There's so much opportunity and incentive for everybody because there is growth opportunity. This is everybody's um, opportunity to move into a new role, one of a leadership, one of the ability to take on more. Like this is good for everybody. And that's important because to get that buy-in, it's got to be good for everybody. So by freeing me up and taking more on, my team will essentially be saying, Hey, Britt, we got you. We got this here, here in Baltimore, right here. Go on and chase those other initiatives and then, you know, do that, bring those on. And then we're all going to benefit once we have a grasp of those and then everybody gets involved and we start the same processes over. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. But those those closing those gaps is important because you can't move on to the next one until you've actually finished the last one. Right. What's the point? And I have a tendency to do that. Yeah. What's what's the point of taking a new order if you didn't stop and collect the last one? Right. That's that's so. Yes. Those gaps are huge. But boy, I would just say. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go. Oh, I was just going to say like, part of this, like as, as we're wrapping this up, I'm, as I'm talking about this, I'm getting more and more excited for the opportunities for my team because there are so many. And I think we get, as you said, we can get ahead of ourselves and like we're jumping to the next because there are all these opportunities before we finish what we need to, and that, what we need to finish. And that is like that sentence. Yeah. Like that sentence. Where does that come from? What do you think? Why do you think you struggle with that? Oh my God. I do that. So (laughs) why does your organization struggle with finishing things? Sorry guys. I do that too often. And I forget that you don't know what's going on in my head. (laughs) The problem is I do. So I don't stop you. I know. I'm like, Oh, I I can finish that sentence. So I can finish that sentence. So no reason to say it. Let's be efficient. This is a podcast. (laughs) It's about articulating your thoughts. I know. I know. This is what our couch looks like at home too. 
if anybody wants to know where yeah, we, we speak in half sentences and <laughs> blurbs. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so getting it right and being disciplined enough to finish that to be able to move on to the next opportunity. And I am so excited what we have and all the opportunity for my team, which really, quite frankly, like I have not explained in detail to them, yeah. which is so exciting. And I think that's a important part for anyone listening to this. Like when you are creating your 2024 strategic plan, it's got to be exciting for you and for your people. And you have to have opportunity for everybody because if you don't, uh, well, what's the point? Yeah, sure. Well, the first thing you, you could be speaking to is Wiffums, right? What's in it for me? I mean, that's the and thing that, you have that to matters. be melding. And the other thing I, that, that hit my mind, right, you just said, and my team doesn't even know it. So in our last meeting, I had talked about this already, but that chief visionary officer, I challenged everybody back to that there's that group that I have directs, whether it's the exec side, the director side, those people, uh, merging thought leaders, challenge them to join me as part of the chief visionary officer. And part of that is, you know, you're the lead dog of your organization. I'm the lead dog of our organization, but is encouraging them to fan out, right? Because if you don't fan out, all you look at is a lead dog's ass all the time. And I don't want my team looking at my ass all the time. I want them to fan out and get their own vision and be able to bring back their own ideas. If nothing else, by virtue of their perspective is different than mine. And that's a value to begin with. And then we can build on top of that. So that idea of, of you know, you got to be the lead dog, but man, you like to nudge your, you know, like nudge your other dogs and row two and three and four have more of a pyramid look to it. So they'd also be getting a glimpse and no one would be looking at the guy in front of them's ass constantly. That's not productive. I think we, we that's a good wrap. Yeah. Killed but, it. So but, can but, I just, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. Nope. Nope. You say three half sentences and no, I'll jump in. I need to end. Be, I need to end <laughs> this because I'm going to give the people what everybody's waiting for. So you, you go first. Oh God. Okay. Um, so my quick comment on this is, um, January is the Monday of the year. You know, you have to take this time and, and there is a reset component, even though we really just flipped a day. Um, this is the, the appropriate time to, to and, and maybe, and it's funny, it's January, right? Like, well, why don't you do it in May? I don't know. I didn't set this up. Just happens in January. But, th- you know, January is the Monday of the year. So this is the time to get things organized and aligned and, and take a look back and and where you are in your evolution so that you can go forward in a very intentional and I would say aggressive you know when I, I use Hell words yeah. like aggressive and savage and kicking down doors and clearing rooms like when I talk to our sales organization and we didn't get into what pisses me off today and I'm excited to just go right into it on our next episode but when I talk to our sales organization about kicking down doors and clearing rooms I I mean it like I, I'm I'm tired of this passive bullshit that we took out of the pandemic yes I know we had supply chain problems. Yes, I know you couldn't fill an order if you wanted to because you couldn't get the material, but that shit is over. And it's back to mano a mano, hand to hand combat. And, you know, part of this reset is making sure the organization is driving that way and making sure that you have the right teammates to execute plays that look like that. Because that's at least for us, I can't speak for Tiger, but that's what it's going to take in 2024. We're coming back to the mode of hand to hand combat and competing in the market for business back like 18, 17, 16, you know, those years before we couldn't get anything from Asia for two years. So that's all I got to say about it. My motto is get scrappy. So, you know, I'm on board with that. Now, lastly, what the people came for. 
why I came. Everybody's wondering how my caffeine-free journey is going. Uh, that's right. Now listen, God, do not, I'm do on. Do not let them wait one more second. So even though we're dropping bi-weekly, we're recording weekly. So this is only seven days in. Okay. So I'm just having this revelation, and I told you today, I'm like, I feel amazing. My sleep scores are not indicating that, but I, now I have been focusing on, there's one variable, also sleeping a little bit more. So could I, it could very well be that. However, I'm wondering if caffeine, the lack of caffeine, zero caffeine is starting to help where later in the afternoons, I just feel the same, yeah. which is like off the wall. So your caffeine detox is in full effect and maybe your body is kicking back its own endorphins or whatever no vices no alcohol no caffeine and i'm feeling amazing now let's wait and see i'm not i'm not coming to any conclusions here but we may be on to something okay well i will hi of all we'll look for a report in the very foreseeable future yes i i have all of your backs and i will let you know i'll report back yeah and i think uh yeah this will be a two-week check-in on our next one just so everybody knows i believe correct okay yep. all right well I, I will be sitting here waiting for that period of time all righty all right good stuff please everybody uh january is the monday of the year so get the hell going all right, that's a wrap on our 2024 strategic planning and what we plan to do about it. Don't forget, you can listen to our podcast on all the platforms, YouTube, Amazon, Apple, and don't forget to check out the show notes and please, please, please hit the subscribe button. You do not know how excited we get every time we get a subscribe. So man, just take an extra second, hit that button for us. Always open for questions. I mean, we read them and we absolutely look to uh, incorporate those into the podcast. We want to know what you want to know and we're happy to tell you what we know about doing it wrong and hopefully something about doing it right. Thank you for listening. Most importantly, thank you to our production team. Seriously, like we, we, we could not appreciate it more. Next episode will be dropping in two weeks. More details to drop on that in the very near future. Stay tuned. See you soon. Welcome to Ace Rodney. They've talked for the superstars. Tonight, tonight, great guest, the incredible, incredible, incredible.